So our typical Monday shows after an OU football weekend, a victory Monday, are really focused on nothing but reacting to the game. But obviously situations, news has dictated that shifts a little bit here with the Jeff Levy news. Jeff Levy has been hired as the head coach at Mississippi State. This morning, Brent Venables tweeted out a congratulatory message from everything that I have uh, heard. They desperately wanted to keep Jeff, and it was a, believe it or not, tough decision for him. But I think in the end he makes the right decision. Well, you're always, I'm sure, wondering, is this first head coaching job the right one? Because if if it doesn't go the right direction, who knows? It's tough to get the second one, right? I haven't read Joe Masada's article, but – if I could uh, kind of paraphrase here, it said uh, Mississippi State did Oklahoma a favor in hiring Jeff Levy. Maybe the fan, maybe certain factions of the fan base, maybe even certain people in administration. But I'm here to tell you right now that the head coach wanted that dude around. So if that's if you're basing this off fan response and things of that nature, fine, you're right. But as far as inside that building and what the what that program wanted, they didn't they didn't want to have to make this move here. Now, the immediate fallout is that we've seen uh, Dozie Ezekama decommit from the Sooners, but we really don't know what kind of role that had to do with Jeff Lebby leaving. Remember, his brother played for Emma Jones at Texas Tech. Thank you, Travis, for that note. But I don't I don't think there's any doubt that. It had some factor. Had to, if right, if Dozy Ezekama was already clearly on the fence to some degree about whether or not OU was still the right spot for him, this was the enough of a domino tilting over to say, okay, here's a, a an opening yeah. for me to do what maybe he was already leaning toward doing anyways. And then there's Big John from Texas who writes, the only job needed right now is to keep JFA and make him great. You do that, everything falls into place. You got one job to do. Apparently, recruiting, uh, creating a new offensive scheme, or if you're going to implement a new offensive scheme, improving. No, you got one job, Josh. One job only. Well, that's the first job. I mean, that that is the, the first job, right? Is Yeah, you don't have one job to do, but that's probably number, numero uno in your priority list, right? Keep Jackson Arnold. Yes, retain. But, you know, beyond that, look, Oklahoma will probably have to do a little transfer portal uh, shopping. Sure. And uh, could use some help up front. Um, th- th- these are the two quick ones. Before we, again, continue our Monday trend, which is looking back on the five things that stood out from the game this weekend. But I wanted to get these two in off the top. Squirrel from Norman actually – does bring up a really good point, and I think we've talked about this quite a bit. Mm-hmm. He writes, Levy is very lucky to have the opportunity at Mississippi State, and we should all congratulate him and wish his family a good, for- uh, a good future. That being said, does anyone recall when the Baylor incident involved Levy? Wait, he was at, he was at Baylor during all that? Are you, you sure about that, Squirrel? Number two, spying on the Sooners versus Tulsa? And number three, the Bryles thing and the subsequent defiance. I also question Coach Lebs while wishing him well. The Sooners can manage just fine. I think I think 
that's a fair critique. Absolutely. Uh, and depending on what you consider a a quote-unquote proper penalty, I mean, the man did have to go and completely rebuild his coaching career, right? Well, and uh, yes, he did. I would say this for Levy. He probably does need to work on the defiance component a little bit because you hit some rough times in Starkville. That ain't going to fly. That's right. The whole – and that's my father-in-law and don't right. don't question me. I mean, okay, well, it, it's your show and you're the head coach, but, you know, PR is important as a head coach. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Lebs went from being the – Pass game coordinator, running backs coach at Baylor to being out of a job and having to serve as the offensive coordinator at Southeastern, which is an NAIA program in Lakeland, Florida, not the Southeastern around here. So it's – I agree with you 100%, right? There's there's some baggage there. but And, and that, that would be, to me – Look, that that's a little bit of a warning sign. Again, winning solves everything. Sure. Oh, or most you, of it. You you say the warning sign of the defiance whenever. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah. No, if, I, I mean, agree. if I'm if I'm in the hiring process for Selman at Mississippi State, I mean, I that that's one thing that I'm not crazy about. But right. obviously, everything else uh, was attractive enough. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And then there's uh, quickly this one from Chapstick, who writes, "Why is Sharon Moore not being discussed?" I know it's a major long shot, and he should get a head coach's job soon. Not sure he'd come, but that's a call that has to be made to an OU guy. Oh, I think that there's no question he's on the list, is he not? You would think, right? But Maybe I, not super realistic. I would also add, um, let me look here a little bit. You know, he was, he was at Oklahoma for two years, but I, I don't know, dude. I think that this old train is going to be moving pretty quick, and I don't know if there's going to be the patience to wait and see if Sharon Moore wants this job. And is he, again, one of those guys that's in – is he calling plays? Has he been calling plays this year? I don't think he has. I think Harbaugh has been calling the plays, and then he takes over the last few games. Again, I don't say you've had to have called plays. That's not a thing, but it's it's beneficial. I think it helps quite a bit. And – you beat Ohio State in that game. Absolutely. I mean, uh, he, he's done some impressive things when uh, we've given we the reins. Upon. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but he has also been – I mean, Sean Moore has been at Michigan since 2018. You know, this isn't a guy that just slid in. Literally from about what when, – when was Harbaugh there? 16 was his first year or whatever. I mean – Dude's kind of been around there for a minute, and they seem to like him a lot as that next guy. So, But does this expedite being the next guy somewhere else by spreading the wings? Does he need to do that? Yeah, absolutely not. All right, you want to hit these top five things we took away from Friday, which is usually the top five stories of the day. But Let's do it. Yes, it's uh, it's, been a it's been a minute. Monday that's been superseded. <laughs> All right, let's go. It's time for the top five takeaways from Friday. It's time for the top five stories of the day. Brought to you by Newcastle Casino. Newcastle Casino, where real gamers play. Let's go, man. 
Oh, dude, I had a great, great, great note here on the super secret Textoso line, but I, I, I can't because I promised Honolulu sooner. That's a great point and a great angle to this, but I can't. Sorry. Uh, top five stories today, as always, brought to you by Newcastle Casino. 14 table games. Also, might we add great rewards that you can be a part of at NewcastleCasino.com. I-44, exit 107. <gasps> Big story number five. Number five. Or as we have on a Monday, big takeaway. Josh, let's put Gavin Sawchuck in bubble wrap until the start of next year. And let's see whether or not these young dudes coming in or these young dudes that are already here after redshirting this season and Hicks and Smothers, if they're ready to take that next step. Because the Gavin Sawchuck I saw over the last four to five weeks of the season, sign me up for that dude. 130 yards, three touchdowns in tw- on 22 carries. Uh, his scores came on runs of 12, 7, and 9. It was his first career game with multiple TDs, his fourth straight 100-yard rushing game, and became the first OU running back to score three touchdowns in a game since Kennedy Brooks in the 2021 Alamo Bowl. Thanks for the notes, Mike Houck. Right? Um, does he necessarily look like the kind of back that's just going to do those type of things aesthetically? Nah. We got a little Rodney Anderson in there for me. Get another year in Schmitty, have an offseason to build that confidence up. I like me I like me some Gavin Sawchuk heading into 24, Josh. Four century mark games Unreal. to close the season right now? Unreal. Unreal. All right, takeaway number four. Number four. Offensive line's going to be fine. And I didn't just rhyme that for you, people. The offensive line is going to be fine. Uh, they're talking about Tyler Guyton as a potential late day one, day two draft pick. And either he wasn't healthy enough or they had just decided to go with Jacob Sexton. Uh, how'd Caden Green look whenever he was given that guard job, Josh? Pretty good. Guess what? If he wants, he's probably your left tackle next year. So I I came away, even though I know, you know, Andrew Rames got a decision to make at center, and obviously Matoyer's out of eligibility. And if Green moves to left tackle, then you gotta find a left guard. But as far as the future, Sexton on one end, Green on the other. Looks like NFL dudes, size-wise, right? And, again, maybe Caden Green says, you know what? I'm liking this guard thing. I think I can make a lot of money being a guard in the NFL. Great. Then we'll see, you know, what happens portal-wise at left tackle or if one of these young guys develops and slides in there. But my point more than anything else, dude, I feel really good about the way the offensive line came together late in the season. Well, and obviously Oklahoma's had some nice little success out of the transfer portal with its offensive line, so that could, uh, like you said, that could change things uh, if you get a left tackle, right tackle, or just one, right? Maybe maybe you do want to keep green inside. But, yeah, th- those young guys, we needed to see that. That's uh, encouraging. Yeah, exactly. All right, um, number three. Number three. Please stay, Billy. Please stay. I would say if if I could make a public plea to three guys. Danny Stutzman. Danny Stutzman, Billy Bowman, and this isn't necessarily a guy that did anything great down the stretch, but he was hurt. 
and Joel Anthony. Those are the three guys, if I could just have a moment with them, just, just, just a moment, I think all three of you are integral to Oklahoma's potential success in the SEC. Now I'm going to celebrate them if they turn pro. I'm going to be their biggest fan, Josh. But if Billy Bowman stays around for another year, dude, look out. Look out. I think he's got a chance to really be something special. Now, he might say, you know, my star is as bright as it's going to be, and maybe maybe Danny Stutzman feels the same way. I don't know. Sometimes you're just ready to go play professional football. Right. And, listen, there's – I mean, Billy's a smart guy. Um, but, you know, Jada's finishing up her eligibility, so yeah. I don't know if that factors into this as well. It I don't could. know how much schooling they have to do or not. But he had three pick six this season. Three of them. And two of them completely and totally changed the game, right? Was that uh, a single-season record at OU? That was. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's it's tough to get a pick six, right? He, he Three was, of them. Yeah, he was second in the country with six interceptions this season. So, I think Peyton Bowen's going to be fantastic. But please sign me up for Bowman and Bowen in that secondary at 24 sure. heading into the SEC. With, please. With Stutzman in the middle. Yeah. You know what, though? It got me thinking as well. Um, I'm really, I think watching the portal at the cornerback position is going to be fascinating because, you know, I feel really good about Gentry Williams, but Josh, he can't stay on the field. This year he couldn't, no. Right. I mean, it was bad. I don't know if he, love you, Gentry, I got your back. I don't know if he finished a game where he didn't come off in some way, shape, or form. Now, maybe there's a a procedure that he goes through that, that tightens that up, whatever that shoulder or arm injury is. And maybe it was just a run of bad luck. It happens, right? But Jay Valai even told us this was as decimated of a room as he's ever had. And Josiah Wagner looked like he might start. Gets hurt. Gentry Williams slides in. Incredible. Gets hurt. Makari Vickers steps in. That BS pass interference call. Gets hurt. Kendall Dolby is shifted over to basically being the number one cheetah. Right? So there, there's one more guy that takes away your depth. Jaden Rowe got hurt before the season even started. So I think it's going to be just in getting in the secondary. I know I'm having our I'm having our January conversation here on November 27th, but I do think it's going to be fascinating to see what they do at that cornerback position. Well, I'm not going to be shocking at all. If there's a good name to add or, sure. or solid depth piece, yeah, I mean, to supplement there is not going to be shocking. All right, um, <laughs> big story number two. Number two. Big takeaway oh. number two. I, I don't know what it was. I don't know if opposing teams found something. But outside of really the West Virginia game, the Oklahoma run defense has some work to do this offseason. I mean, it does. listen, Armani Bailey, stud. Absolute stud. I mean, you look at him, if you were to look at him and Gavin Sawchuk without, you know, a uniform on and just pads and and a helmet, you're like, there's the OU running back, right? He looks the part. 
But, man, some of those – 21 – so my point is 21 carries, 150 yards, that big, what, 50-yard run he had? Understood. He's a stud. But in a lot of them, it was like before he – he wouldn't get hit. I mean, there was – yards after contact, whenever I see a guy that's in, it's like he's got seven averaging 17 yards after contact. That's one thing. There wasn't a lot of that for Bailey. It's the number one piece of this team that regressed the most from mm-hmm. start to finish. Yep. Run defense. Yep. Started great. Did not uh, hold up that way. Jaden Jackson, it's time to start uh, that nutrition plan, my friend. We're ready. Oh, you! I like it. I like it. Little uh, space plugger. Is that kind of like my takeaway, too? But is it a matter of those big nasties in the middle getting better? Is that what needs to happen to make sure this improves? Or is it, you know, BV pushed back against that last week. It's, he it's, put it all on his backers. Yeah. I mean, I think it's probably a little bit of everything, but uh, hopefully getting better there, yeah, is going to help the rest of it. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Exactly. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's funny because I also think that having a healthy tight end room is, is going to help the Oklahoma rushing attack next year. I also can't help but wonder if having – Another year of experience for those backers helps them too because it seemed as if the stopping the run issues really started to rise whenever Danny got dinged, right? Really started to rise. And we love Kobe McKenzie, and we're pumped about Kip Lewis, and I think Kanick had a season similar to what Danny had two years ago, right, where he's still feeling things out. Yeah, that's fair. But I wonder, I wonder how much another year in that system just makes them better when it comes to fits and things of that nature. It should. It better. Um, and then there's number one. <laughs> number one. Number one. Number one. A, it's going to be weird not having a Stoops on the sideline for Oklahoma. And, oh, what a finish to his career Drake Stoops had. 12 catches, 125 yards, and a touchdown. His third 100 receiving yard game of the season, all in the last four games. And over those last four games, Drake Stoops, this is over the last four games. So the final third of the season, 38 catches, 486 yards, and five touchdowns. Over four games. 21 straight games with a pass reception and 20 straight games with multiple catches. He became that dude, man, and it was really cool to see. But also, number one, Josh, we didn't know if he was going to play. In fact, we had kind of planned that maybe it was going to be Jackson Arnold. But for all the ways and things and feelings you had towards Dylan Gabriel, man, he really finished. He really finished with a bang on Saturday inside inside Gaylord Family Oklahoma Memorial Stadium. That was really cool to see. Yeah, it's just disappointing that uh, you didn't get that final bit of help you had because you go win a Big 12 championship and a New Year's Six game, and that really, I think, would have helped the way he's remembered around here. But, uh, yeah, a great finish to his uh, regular season here at Oklahoma. 400 yards. His third game this season with at least 400 passing yards. He has five 400-yard passing games at OU. And nine total in his career, which includes that UCF stint. Maybe it includes more. But I just thought it was really cool to see that as the way that he ends. Oh, and here's a great question, too, by the way, off the 405. Man, it's a great question. 
I just happened. Jason M. writes, if Harrington doesn't get hurt this season, how big of an impact does he make? And there's a guy that's allegedly coming back. So if everything went well with the medicals, as it appears they quote-unquote did. But we'll see. Yeah, great point. All right. Anything else that you guys want to get to from Friday, it's here for you on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, 405-651-3439. But when we come back, obviously big story number one in our world is that Oklahoma is looking for a new offensive coordinator. We'll talk timeline and names next on The Ref. Do you want to um, I want to roll through what we know here real quick or what I guess really nobody knows, and that is true candidates right now? <laughs> sure. Brent Venables isn't going to do a presser as far as I know of at any point this week. I think we'll wait until they find out where the Sooners are going bowling. But you know, timeline-wise, from the Levy side, sounds like he interviewed late last week, uh, was offered the job on Saturday night, slept on it, accepted it Sunday morning, and then they had the press conference and the celebration. Sounds like, uh, obviously, Oklahoma fought to keep him. Brent Venables wanted to keep him here but understood the opportunity celebrated it, and now starts the search for a new offensive coordinator. Timeline for Oklahoma? I don't know. Someone threw an interesting name at me yesterday, one that I hadn't been brought up, that I haven't seen anywhere. Okay. Joey Halsley. He's at Tennessee right now. He's been in that, uh, I guess you could say, Levy umbrella, right, because he was there with Josh Heupel. But, again, you know, are we – is it a necessity to have someone who has called plays before? I don't know if Joey's called plays before. I think that's all been kind of Josh's world. Someone that loves Oklahoma, too, that spent a lot of time here. I would imagine that's going to be a strong prerequisite. To call plays? To have called plays, yes. It's Oklahoma, man. I mean, it's tough to give somebody that gig if they've not called plays. So that would that would eliminate a lot of these people, right? Joe John Finley would out. be out. Um, Emma Jones, for those of you that think he's the OC, it would really come down to as far as in-house candidates, what, Luttrell and Matt Wells? And I think that's right. Okay. So count out, So does that mean Joe John leaves? No, I don't, I don't think necessarily. Um, okay. So then you have one hire you're making. And that's the OC and a quarterback's coach, right? Sure. Of the names that we mentioned. You, you kind of sold me on the idea of Joe John staying. Sure. E- even without getting the gig, just based on what you have coming to Oklahoma and the chance that your 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 stock this time of year from now could be pretty high to get an OC job somewhere, group of five, sure. wherever that may be. What and, about the – Probably you're going to have to go that route, I think. I mentioned two names that haven't been talked about just because of ties to Brent Venables as Chad Morris and Jeff Scott, though I don't think they're necessarily candidates. Just when you hear that buzz, don't be surprised. Um, a lot of names have been thrown out there from Andy Ludwig at Utah, who I think would be a fascinating hire, though Utah has done a really nice job of keeping its coordinators in place, including Ludwig shunning an offer from Notre Dame last year. Brennan Marion is an up-and-coming young offensive coordinator, dynamic recruiter, does things a little bit differently. He is at UNLV in his first year of calling plays, but did call plays. Josh, we've talked about our like for Andy Koltelnicki, the offensive coordinator at Kansas. And then even though he had play calling responsibilities stripped from him, Sean Lewis is at least a name to keep an eye on. 
Though I don't know if Sean Lewis will get another OC job or not. But in that same vein, it's not. I mean, he had him cooking there for a while at Colorado. Corn dog. Corn dog. <laughs> um, what do you, What about corn dog? I'm not a big Wally corn guy. Willie, Will, what I call him, Wally. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sure he's going to be great. Usually, here's the thing. I think we got to hire him just so we can call him Wally now. In my experience, the first names that are out there usually aren't the dude. But when you think about, just even going back to Lincoln, when you think about some of the most recent hires that have taken place, it kind of has been the first names that were out there, right? Lincoln and Levy would have been, what, each of uh, – right. Lincoln was definitely on that quick early short sure. list. But now you got to remember, too, when Lincoln was hired out of East Carolina – It was not totally well-received. That's nope. right. Nope. The most well-received offensive coordinator that Oklahoma, hired that Oklahoma ever had was Josh Heupel, in my opinion. When they hired Josh Heupel, it was like, here we go. Let's go. We got hype back. And then in 2013, y'all wanted him gone. So, I mean, it's just outside of Mike Stoops coming back to run the defense in 2012, not many people were celebrated like Josh Heupel taking over as offensive coordinator. So what you're saying is we need something to feel bad about. That's right. But I don't know, Josh. I – I find myself, at least with some of these names, trying to sift through what's what's real and what's BS. Because the very first name out of everyone's mouth was Seth Littrell, which makes me want to dismiss it a little bit. But then I'm like, that will make a lot of sense. And he did hang around as an analyst all season long. Littrell and Wells are both legitimate serious candidates. But I don't, you know, I love what Wally Corn did at Liberty, and I and I. Dig seeing all these Coastal. wild numbers and what he did at Coastal under Chatwood, but or Chatwell, but I just I don't know, man. I from most of the people that have said anything that I think might be someone in the know, that's not a name that's been brought up, which would likely mean he's going to get the job. <laughs> yeah, that's usually a good sign, isn't it? So that's kind of what we know. Um, Andy Coltonicki is a fascinating name that a lot of people that love football and cover football and watch film and they're X and O's guys, they love him because they love the creativity and the run schemes that he comes up with. I don't know what kind of recruiter he is. I know that the two times I've talked to him, he's been awesome. So I think that's an interesting name. Well, he's got a, a number of great recruiters around him here. That's true. That's true, too. Now, you know, is, is it just going to be a completely different offensive mindset in general? I, and I don't think you can rule that out. Is it going to be something that's just completely different? I don't, I don't think so, but I don't know. You know, the five-one-two asks a good question: Are SEC offenses as gimmicky as the Big Twelve, or are they more lineup and play pro style? Oh no, they're gimmicky as all get out now. Everyone's doing it, man. Yeah. <laughs> There's this idea that we're going into a league where suddenly it's three yards in a cloud of dust, man. This isn't eight of football from back in the day, baby. They're not handing the ball off to an Odom and just grinding things out. Now, they're throwing the ball all around the field, too. And the offenses that are trying that are not very successful right now in the SEC. Now, you got to be a little bit more physical in your run game, no doubt about that. And I think that's where Colton would be a heck of a hire. Here's also one thing that I would say. Don't get – I wouldn't get too caught up in, like, thinking this has to happen. This better happen now. It's got to happen now. I think that there is this 
belief in the guy that's running the program that he's not going anywhere. That Brent Venables is going to be here. And as long as Brent Venables is here, you're going to bring in the right guy. So I've seen some panicking on here, and I get it. But for me, Josh, I'm – Jeff Lebby is off to Mississippi State. Who – Jackson Arnold seems happy. Let's go. Who We're would Oklahoma go. have to wait for? We said Moore at Michigan. Sean Moore would be one. And I don't think that's going to be the higher, so. No. Um, Who else? Unless there is like – Grubb? If, if Ryan Grubb is a candidate, yeah. Is it Ryan Grubb? There used to be a NASCAR driver, and I think the NASCAR driver was Kevin Grubb, R.I.P. Uh, if it's Ryan Grubb at Washington, then yeah. I also don't think – I don't want this to play out publicly either. I mean, I, I appreciate that everybody wants to know who is that guy and and when he's going to get hired, and, and I want to know now. But I don't want this to be a situation where – someone is able to use Oklahoma or try to use them for leverage. I don't want this to be a situation where you come out looking like Notre Dame did last year. I don't want that. I want them to get their guy and hire him. And I, I know there's going to be a fight and scratch and a claw for information, but I think Coach Venable is going to keep this really close to the vest, as, as you know, most coaching searches are. I don't think this is going to be one of those that will play out in public. Heck, Alabama allegedly had people telling them no last year. Will we know who Oklahoma's new offensive coordinator is by the end of this week? I would say no, but I think we know next Monday. Next week? Yeah. I don't necessarily – I think this week there's going to be vetting and there's going to be interviews and there's going to be conversations. And, and it's conference championship week too. Right, and I think there'll be some things that leak out, but I don't – I don't know. I, I, I don't have this feel that this thing is going to – it's like, get it done, get it done, get it done. I don't get that feel on this. But from that same vein, I haven't talked to Coach Venables. <laughs> and there's not a Rudy show tonight. And I don't anticipate him doing a press conference until this is over. All right, 1137, your text to take us home next on The Ref. Back with you, it's the Plank Show. Josh Elmer alongside Chris Plank on this. Let's start the search Monday. <laughs> Right here on the home of Sooner fans. Mop and roofing and construction, they bring us hour number three every day right here on the home of Sooner fans. They got you covered, Oklahoma, and Bob Moppin and his team, they can get you situated for those uh, frosty months sneaking up on us. Obviously had one of those this morning. 405-703-3843. That is Moppin Roofing. Text line, away we go. The Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, 405-651-3439. Tamu might be looking for an OC. They dream big, though. Apparently, Stoops landed in College Station, was told to go back to Lexington. What uh, did you follow any of that on Saturday night? Yeah, and I mean, did this happen? So I no, he didn't. He didn't like go to Texas A and M. He he never left Lexington. I fell asleep on Saturday night with the understanding that Mark Stoops was the next head coach at Texas A and M. I woke up on Sunday morning to the first text I saw was Mark Stoops saying, I'm not going anywhere. Now, if you are to believe the Texas A&M side of things, which, again, there is always two sides, the Texas A&M side, Josh, is that they never offered Mark Stoops the job, but they they had talked to him, and he he – ran with I'm taking the job, and then 
they had to put the toothpaste back in the tube. Now, that's what the A&M people are trying to tell you. But to me, they made what would have been an excellent hire, an outstanding hire in Mark Stoops. And then they botched it. And because they listened to either a couple of boosters or their idiot fans, they decided they needed to change their mind and go in a different direction. And maybe in the end got it right. I really, Arnie's mind was blown last night just to share a quick story because we were talking about this. And he's like, I guess they're going after a big name. And I was like, they're, they're, they hired Mike Elko. I don't think he knew who Mike Elko was. Who? He was like, no, they're going after a big name. I'm like, yeah, they just hired Mike Elko as their guy. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so that was the rumor. I guess it wasn't a rumor because on three had reported that he was the guy and he was taking the job. And you know what? Elko is a good hire. That's a great hire. A very good hire. With what he did at Duke, it uh, it makes sense. Where you want to go next? Where you want to go next? Out of the 405. Hey, guys, with Lebby leaving, does Jackson Arnold go with or stay at OU? Well, good news. The uh, early, early returns from Dad is that uh, it's not going to matter for Jackson Arnold. He's sticking. Now, time will tell on that front, but we feel good about it. No, absolutely. Absolutely. We feel good about it. Um, That's also the only thing that the OC, next OC, needs to get accomplished. Keep Jackson yeah, Arnold. We found out this no, morning. No, no. That's all you do. That's all you do. I don't care about your system. You keep Jackson Arnold. Keep keep JFA. We're good, baby. You know, I do have to laugh because let's say something like this would have happened after the Peach Bowl. Do you know what everyone would have been texting and saying we needed to do? You better make sure you keep Spencer Rattler around here. <laughs> that's right. You better bring in someone that's going to keep Spencer Rattler happy. Uh, can, can I read Sharks here real quick? Please. Do you think Coach Beanbow prefers the old school approach of bringing in a freshman and developing him over three to four years or the newer phase of player development by getting a late career transfer and polishing his acquired skills? That's an excellent question. I think Bill likes a combination of both. Um, if there was one – I don't have a critique for Bill Beanbow. I feel like maybe that sometimes the give-a-flip meter with these younger guys dissipates a bit because they realize that there's going to be these older guys that are, that are going to get a shot. But I think it's a mix for him. I really – I think he likes bringing in – I mean, McCain Matoyer is a great story of development, as is Walter Rouse throughout this year. I think, but Coach, so was Andrew Raymond, Tyler Guyton, guys that have been here for a bit. Even though Guyton was a transfer too, I think Coach Beedenbow is smart in the sense that he wants proven good. I want winners, and whatever that looks like, if that's three to four years of development, if that's we go find Rouse or we find whoever, then uh, I'll take that too. Canic, the Kryptonian. That sounds like a name that Steelman gave someone on here. <laughs> Uh, will Peyton Bowen be a full-time starter this year? I feel like it was a crime this year not having him on the field starting. Well, he was hurt at I mean, times. Do you guys not? Do you guys not listen to the radio network? <laughs> no. Do you not listen to this show? I mean, I I would feel the same way if I didn't know he was hurt. But literally, we tell you every single injury that's going on. No, you don't. You're too busy with that super secret text. I, I guess so. But no, Canik. Uh, he's hurt. He's dinged up. And in fact. Uh, I didn't see snap counts for the last game. I I think it was something that consistently bothered him even when he got up there and he looked good. So here's to him being healthier next year. Here's a take. Oh, you want to add one more thing to that? Oh, I would just say that, I mean, Bowen's going to be a star oh, at Oklahoma. If, he, if he's healthy, 
for the duration of next season. He's obviously a big part of the plans going forward. And the the sky's the limit for him, man. I mean, what Billy Bowman's done and uh, what Gentry Williams as a young guy has done at times, Peyton Bowen's got a chance to be the best defensive back they've had here in, in some time based on uh, just the the early play that we've seen. I mean, he's got star potential all over him. <laughs> Spence in Tulsa writes, put me down for the more physical offense. I would love to be able to run the ball 32 straight times and put a game away. Well, in, in fairness, I mean, Sean Moore in Michigan had to run the ball 32 straight times because their right tackle was getting cooked. And every single time they tried to throw the football, Penn State was destroying J.J. McCarthy. Can I interest you in Andy Ludwig? You could, you could talk me into this uh, vehicle, sure. I, you know, as this show has progressed – I, I got this off the super secret. I like that name someone. because it's less flashy. And I got it, and I got it from two people. So I'm going to share this. I hope I don't get in trouble, Honolulu, sooner. <laughs> we got to give Honolulu a break. I, I really, I do think it came from mostly a good place, but I do. Not. It's been a rough day. Um, the, I, the two different. First one I got was "Don't sleep on Ludwig," and then there's this <clears throat> physical style with production in the passing game. Gave Vandy a top 30 offense for crying out loud. Notre Dame almost pulled him away. And highly thought of with a top 20 EPA consistently. And Brent Venables loves him some EPA. That's why whenever you guys are talking about that Wally Corn or Willie Corn, what are we even doing right now? Willie Corn, stop. he He went to Clemson. I understand that. And maybe he ends up being the guy. I don't know. But go get Andy Ludwig. Right? Go get Andy Coltel, Nikki. Get a proven, very successful offensive coordinator. You know me. I'm all in on Coltel, Nikki. Every single person who has called plays for Oklahoma since Bob Stoops took over in 1999 has moved on to a head coach's job. Every single one of them. There's something to be said for that. And then uh, one more. And whoever oh. gets this gig, guess what? They're going to be head coach. Look too. at Robert and Hera. With all these names you shared, I'm intrigued by Andy Cole, uh, Andy Ludwig. Power running attack. Power, uh, great passing offense. He's experienced and has had success at several different colleges. And guess what? He never been in a place like Oklahoma with this type of riches. And he said no to Notre Dame, which is fantastic. Yeah, that's. Uh, just another feather in the cap coming to Oklahoma. If you if you said no to Notre Dame, oh man, oh, come on, we got you. You're, you're more well liked immediately. And then there's this from the nine foot eight before the before the final thoughts. I want a Jeff Levy type, but that's better at calling plays and in game decisions. So basically, you want Jeff Levy, but you you want a better play caller and better in game decisions. I want Jeff Levy, but I just would like him to be better. <laughs> All right, quick break. We'll put a wrap on it next on The Ref. By the way, I did want to say big thanks to our coworker who decided to heat up like the most disgusting smelling thing in the planet. It's Thanksgiving when, leftovers. Oh, my gosh. Hallie is here. She must think, gosh, these guys, what a disaster this they are. This place is gross. Hey, oh, you daily people are here. Oh, you nightly. Sorry, right? Did I get it right? Yeah. They're just like, what are these guys doing around here? All right, so as we put a wrap on our conversations about who's going to be the next uh, offensive coordinator at Oklahoma – I did see uh, our good friend Red Dirt Sports. All right, hold on. Apologies. Yeah, Red Dirt Sport had his list of people. I uh, is this a serious list or a Red well, Dirt I don't, Sport who, list? Who is the jawline? 
who is that supposed to be? See, because that name doesn't – I don't know who that is. But Dan Mullen is an intriguing name. Why would Dan Mullen want to be an offensive coordinator and have to get back in the recruiting game whenever he seems to like TV and is enjoying not having that responsibility? So I would, as my Primrose Funeral Service, if you're being serious, Red Dirt Sport, cross him off then. I don't think Scott Frost is a name. Again, by a, he's got he's loaded. I mean, it's you got to come back. You got to work. This is recruiting. This is game planning. This is energy. This is, I mean, absolutely invigorating a fan base. That I'm, would be uh, that's not Scott Frost. <laughs> that would be out of the book of Saban, though. Steve Spurrier Jr. I find that interesting. He does have Jeff Scott on here, and then wraps up with Willie Corn and Matt Wells. My list that you didn't ask for did crack me up. But I, I will I, I will add, I think I would put Dan Mullen in that list of people that put Cliff Kingsbury and Dana Holgerson as candidates. Not realistic. The buyout life is a good life, bro. Talking hundreds of millions of dollars to not have to grind the day-to-day of being a head coach. Sign me up. Or an offensive coordinator. So, I, as – typically happens it's probably going to be a name that we haven't even mentioned it's probably going to be some dude out of nowhere but I definitely think Oklahoma wants to bring in a guy that is called that has called plays and has been successful calling plays I wouldn't sleep on Andy Ludwig I wouldn't sleep on Brendan Marion I wouldn't sleep on Andy Koltelnicki remember what Seth Luttrell does offensively is different than what Oklahoma has run the last few years He's a spread guy. So is Sean Lewis. So I I think the ultimate question here is, are they going to bring in a guy to continue doing what they're doing? Is this the Oklahoma offense and you're going to call it? Or are you bringing in a guy to do what he does? And I don't know what the timeline is either, except to say that we'll be here covering it on the ref. Steelman is already all over this. He's waiting now. And he's coming up next with Parker Thune, who has all the sources in the world right here on the Home of Sooner Fans.